Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Previously on Of Mice and Men and Monsters. Where we're going, there is no magic. You see bodies floating and it looks like their throats have been just ripped open. Charlie! What are you doing, Izira? What are you still looking like that? The tips of your fingers are starting to turn magenta. The pyramid shatters to pieces on the floor. A cacophony of explosions, shrieks, and a howling of wind echo from the direction of the cells. Magic is back, and the prisoners are out for blood. So you have destroyed the pharaoh, and at this point, just as you are beginning to feel that inner energy that you associate with your magical abilities seep into your bones and your sinews and spread outward, a tingling at your fingertips, you hear below you, coming from the direction where the jail cells are, explosions emitting, screams, screeches, ungodly voices, and the unforgivable sound of magic being wreaked upon the guards below by the prisoners who are now reawakening to their abilities. And those who can fight, you're damn sure that they are going to do so. So what are, uh, what's going through your heads right now and, and what would you like to do? I, th- I think Bertram is definitely cons- pondering the idea of just sitting here and barring the door and maybe letting them just fight each other and let the, uh, let the kind of like the, <laughs> them settle the, the scores until it's like no one's left and then we can just walk out. <laughs> Trying to see how we avoid that battle. I think Awen a- 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 just hit that thing with a, with a dagger. He's like, oh no, like what if, what's happened? Uh, he he he's so reassured that his powers are back. He feels like again connected to everything, connected to nature and and one. And also, he I think he looks over to Ed, Edmund and and says, "Edmund, what are we gonna do? Can we uh, can we do we need to fight? Do we need to fight these people? Can we get out the back? Can are they gonna be cool with you? Do they know you? Do they remember you?" Some of them will probably remember me, but we cannot, we cannot trust that everybody would recognize me, especially since, especially since this spotted hand has taken over this, this whole operation here, and they've changed a lot. That means that different prisoners are here, just like Valentine and Crusoe here. 
But we, we cannot stay here. We, we have to press on. We have to get out. And the surest way is to get out the same way that we came in. So I suggest, if you need to, patch yourselves up, gird your loins, and stay close together. We don't know what's going to await us out there. You think we got like four hours or like eight hours? <laughs> it's like a short rest of a, a, a proper nap. A proper nap would be would be nice and some. We tea. don't have time for this. No. Right. It, do you have two minutes? Do you have potions? Do you have berries? Do you have first aid kits? Oh, Penelope. And I put my hand out, saying almost like with a gimme, gimme, gimme <laughs> kind of gesture. Um. So while this is all happening, Penelope's first thought is to be like, shit, where's Charlie? And then she gets mad at herself for even thinking of him because she's trying to leave that behind her. So she's kind of scowls and she takes a moment from all the confusion to check her like arms. And I guess, Kate, you're the one who tells me if they're any better or not, if they've like receded a little bit or if they're just stuck. So where we left off, you had you had taken because you took quite a bit of damage from that fall, we had to do a check and you failed that check again. And so you are now fuchsia uh, from the tips of your fingers all the way up to your inner elbow. Inner elbow. Okay. So it's not, it's not getting better. This is what Penny It's not getting better, but it's, it's not getting worse. It's kind of just So it's just there. stuck. Cool. So I look very like emo, Avril Lavigne, like wearing black purple? t-shirt pink arm sleeves just gonna have to oh, rock it oh okay, all right mm-hmm. okay <laughs> does, so she takes oh what were you gonna say i was just saying does anyone know does anyone notice that she's like purple i don't know are you trying to hide it i Maybe? had my arms behind my back because crusoe kind of caught an eye and i just went uh and i hid my i arms. think as we were fighting in the in the last episode i think you had me roll perception maybe to see if I noticed mm-hmm. it, and I didn't. No. <laughs> so I think I haven't noticed it. But Perceptive I'm not sure enough to know you could throw me, but not <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and throw me badly. Exactly. Yeah, 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 fair. <laughs> so Penny takes a minute while everyone's distracted to check. Damn it, not getting better. Arms behind her back again, and then tunes in right at the end when we're um, when um, Bertram uh, goes Penny and. Uh, um, ask for my, I'm assuming potion of healing potion. is what you'd like? Whatever you'd like to part with. I have taken a little bit of damage in this last fight. I keep trying to give you boiled linseed oil, but you don't take it. You keep offering me teeth, and that's what I don't want. <laughs> oh, anybody need a good berry? Oh, uh, and you see Crusoe, and he is looking bad. Like, he is, he is bloody. Uh, he, he took the brunt of that fall from the top of the Pharaoh. And quite a bit of that electric damage as he was kind of, he cushioned the fall for Penny. And so he is very... How cute. <laughs> he's very yes, battered. Penelope and Crusoe are used to, to slumming around, it sounds like. So they, I'm sure they would be happy with teeth. But I would prefer a potion if, if possible. Um, I mean, dude, I'll, I'll take some of those teeth. I, 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 yeah. I, I could really use them right now. All right, oh, open up. And I like do the popcorn thing where you like toss it across and like. Wait, do the teeth actually have healing power or is this like a bit that just won't end? I wasn't going to say no. that the good berries were teeth, but now they're definitely teeth. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said that when you crush one of like the teeth, it becomes a thing. I have I thought, special I thought... potions in, in the teeth. 
So I'm going to throw him. Oh, I don't tooth. know why I thought I remember them being good berries or something like healing property where like if you were fighting, you could chomp on one and regain HP. Sure. No, no, no. There, there are. I have like minor healing potions in teeth and I have some uh, other potions as well. Don't uh, act like Adam, don't it. act like it was silly that you mixed this up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, come on. I'm <laughs> dealing with teeth here. I mean, how many teeth you got in there? How many How many did you replace? So it's easy. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that you are remembering which tooth is for what. So, okay, so you, you toss uh, how many of them at him? I toss only one tooth, and then I... I'm trying to figure out, like, should I use Goodberry on this? This is this a spell slot? Um, mm. if, and I'm not going to, because I know that Penny has... Penny has potions. I just I just toss him one of my teeth. Yeah, I can't even wait. Remember. Is there anything in this tooth? Yeah, yeah. There's a minor healing potion in this. Oh, okay, tooth. okay. <laughs> so he yeah he catches it midair and kind of looks at it, looks at you, looks back at it, and then shrugs and just pops it. Crunches. I think I only have three hit points left at this moment, right? Oh shoot! I mean, you did jump. Oh uh, well, over then the you pyramid. definitely need that. I you um, definitely let's need clarify. That I got thrown. Into a pyramid. I didn't jump. I got thrown. Willingly. Willingly. You jumped into these metal arms. Anyway, so Penny is like, uh, when Bertram is asking for the potion, because clearly Bertram does not want teeth, Penny's like, yeah, 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 cool, one sec, and sort of like tries to go to a corner and like whip around so no one sees her arms to get into her bag to find her potion of healing. Um, before she grabs something for Bertram, though, she's going to take her greater potion of healing because she is more wounded than Bertram is. So she's going to take that. How much does that help me? Which one are you doing? What the is greater, your... The greater potion of healing? You're going to do 4d4 plus 4 for your healing. So you roll 4, four-sided die, and then you add 4. It's like right. an easy one to remember. Four, four, four. So I'm going to roll a four-sided die four times and then add four. Okay, cool. As long as I'm like not making this up. Mm-hmm. Great. Two. All right. I'm back. I'm back at full health, baby. Oh, nice. All right. How are my arms now? So uh, good. Your arms are still the same. Wait, but I'm healed. Okay, so wait. You reached into your bag. Mm-hmm. Okay, as you were reaching around in your bag, your hand kind of scrapes across this band of leather, and you remember that this you have this headband that you got from earlier. Great. So real quick, I take my knife, I cut it into pieces. It's a really big headband. It stretches really long because I have to wrap it around both arms, right? Oh, it's a headband. I'm so, it's I'm so confused about so what's sorry. happening. I couldn't remember what happened. Oh, I, I, want the, I want you to do that. No, 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 no. That We're not retconning this. You do oh, that. Shit. <laughs> you do that. You, you cut this headband and you fashion it into two cords to somehow wrap around. Not, I'm not going to say it completely wraps around. <laughs> forearm, but just haphazardly covering it. Lots of gaps. Um, but hey, you know what? You put it on yourself. And so what is happening is you, this innocuous, meaning like just not really standing out, very plain braided band of leather of a headband. This actually is a grounding headband. And so what a grounding headband does as I'm homebrewing it is going to give you advantage on wisdom checks. And you'll right. need that whenever you are trying to ground yourself and fight the wave of fuchsia that threatens to go over your body. So why don't you... Fuchsia, yes, that's it. Yeah, so why don't you do a wisdom check for me with advantage? Great. 
<laughs> 13. <laughs> you notice that it starts to recede a little bit and it's now just kind of above your wrist and covering your hands. Mm-hmm. All right. That's enough. So yeah. Penny takes a breath. It's getting better. That's all she needed. It's getting better. And then she grabs the potion of healing from her bag and then walks over and just tosses it real quick to Bertram. Catch, Birdie. Oh, I do that expertly. <laughs> if, as long as I, I don't the, have to roll for it. There's some things where I'm like, there's simple enough actions. I don't need to make you roll for it. That so. would really suck if it's like you drop it and you're like, it just shatters on the ground. And like, <laughs> oh, there, there, the there that went. Well, yeah. okay. All right. So what, what am I taking, uh, Kimmy? You, uh, you got a potion of healing. Okay. Uh, what is a that? A regular potion okay. of healing. That would be 2d4 plus 2. So you roll two four-sided die and then you add two to it. All right. Seven. Oh, yeah. I'm full health. Thank you. You're welcome. Valentine quickly pushes past you and she goes straight to a cubby. And you know that you can tell like this, this is something that she'd been searching for. And it's almost like she's allowing herself to. You, you see like the tensions in her body are easing a little bit further. And reaching in, she pulls out an interesting contraption. And turning back around, she's like, so I I know when you guys met me, I was working at the forge. And while I have learned a lot of blacksmithing during my almost year here, I'm actually an artist. I I do tattoos. I do ink. um, And I learned a lot of cool stuff there. But it feels good to have this in my hands now, especially as I'm able to feel more magic around me. Ooh. So can we get magic Thank tattoos? What what is what what is that that you have there? And so she kind of like shows you uh, real quick. And so in her hands you see what it looks like a, a tattoo uh, device where it's the needle with the with like the ink that goes in, thing. but all along the sides are are hieroglyphs, um, and even the the container that you would put in the ink to strapped along a little belt you see inks in all different types of colors but some of them even glowing and others holding accoutrements that aren't particularly ink some that maybe look like blood others that look questionable and not fully liquid like teeth, um, and like so the liquid of teeth <laughs> <laughs> so gesturing to them teeth. she's like i mean my first and foremost i love creating art especially the human tapestry but or I should say, especially the living tapestry of skin. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a work in progress, and I'm, I'm learning how to weave magic into some of this artwork and seeing how it can enhance abilities. So as she finishes flourishing this and puts it into her bag, an explosion from far off shakes the ground around you, and bits and pieces of the ceiling start to fall down. And so right now, just in small chunks, but enough to make Edmund dart around nervously with his eyes and say, we've lingered too long. Please, we must get out. Um, Penny runs over to Crusoe and kind of nervously goes, hey, thanks. Thanks for helping with that. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry uh, that you got hurt. Are, are you OK? Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm good. Don't Great. worry about it. All right. And then Penny offers a hand to help him up. Yeah, he, he takes it and kind of dusts himself off and he gestures towards the door. After you, milady. Cool. Um, she gives an awkward curtsy and then walks over. 
following Edmund as he leads the way, you weave back down that same path, that ramp that leads to the lower level, the the floor level, the ground level, as it were, uh, to the main part of this prison where you see cell after cell has now been either blasted open, the doors ajar, some of them crumpled and disfigured in ways that seem impossible unless you really account for the magic that has returned. And it is pure chaos to begin. And so as you are weaving your way through, making your way, trying to steer clear of this maelstrom of activity, your eyes are darting around because they don't even know where to land. Awen, you have to quickly duck as an explosion of magic tears the stone wall opposite you apart. And as it crumbles, you see a large swan glide through the opening. The waning moonlight outside shines on its white wings, and you see that its beak and feathers are smeared in dark blood. Well, that's not good. <laughs> awesome. Bertram, you, as you are hurrying forward, you slightly slip on a pool of blood below you, and your eyes follow up, and you see this red-headed, small-statured boy, it seems, uh, just completely covered in soot and paint and other things you don't even want to know to the point that he doesn't even look recognizable as human. And in his hands, he's holding the disfigured and dissevered head of a death kiss. And in his other hand, he is holding a stick sharpened at both ends. And you hear him in a guttural cry. Kill the pig! Cut her throat! Spill her blood! Let the hunt commence, gentlemen! I shall be your chief from now on! And very quickly, he shoves the end of the stick onto it and mounts it into the cracks of the ground. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I think that boy's on our side, but I don't want to talk to him or touch him. (laughs) And and so you, you do, you scurry forward even more, and then all of a sudden you see Edmund throw his arms out wide, blocking you from going even further, just in time. And right across that path as he blocks you, you see this blur of a figure of a minotaur. And it roars a terrible roar. And you see it gnash its terrible teeth and roll its terrible eyes and show its terrible claws. Let the wild rumpish start! He shouts as he levels his horns and rushes at a cornered death kiss. You know, it's just occurring to me that maybe not everyone in this prison was a good guy and deserved to be released. but. Too late? So as you make it head, you see 50 feet in front of you is just a a really a a short dash. Like if you guys just do a burst of a dash, you have the clear way in front of you for that hallway where it's the final hallway before you go through the security point and then head home. Um, And so as you start to pick up in speed and cross that way penny, you hear a familiar voice cry out. Zero, please, Zero, come back! And looking over your shoulder, you see the tentacles of a death kiss wrapped around the neck of Charlie Bates, who's laying prone on the ground, and his voice is getting weaker and weaker as he starts to pass out from all the blood that he is losing. 
and the pool gathers around him and you see this thing, this monster, now also at full ability, just drinking. Now, the choice is simple, Penny. Nobody else has heard him. You can keep running and keep your identity safe. You can just forget all about this and have no connection to this. Or you can run back and get him. Yeah, Penny stops. She, Penny, like, turns back and keeps staring forward. And just takes a minute and then just goes, fucking Charlie Bates. Oh, he's getting me into trouble. And then just turns around, um, grabs. She's got two daggers and she's immediately, I mean, she's going to take the risk. She's going to throw those daggers at that death kiss. She's just going to go for it. All right. Make a make a dexterity check for me. So you're gonna you're gonna make an attack here. So you're gonna roll dexterity since this is a finesse weapon. You're throwing daggers. Great. Um, and you're gonna do it twice, one for each. Mm-hmm. And since this is kind of a surprise, like the thing's not even looking at you, I'm gonna give you advantage on both of these rolls. Oh hell yes. yes! Make sure you add your proficiency bonus if you're good with those kind of weapons. Yeah. Proficiency bonus. Probably it's like plus two. You're pl- right? Plus two. Plus yes, two. plus yeah. two. All right, so I roll dexterity and then add my dexterity bonus and my proficiency bonus. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Oh, mm-hmm. damn. Well, that's 23 and, and 17. And how much damage do they both do? Both of them hit. Both of them hit those um, three. And then what does piercing damage do again? It's the type. So certain... Certain creatures or in certain classes, certain Got races it. in here will have um, an ability to either take half damage of certain types or they'll have immunity to it. Got it. And so right, that's I'm, why they're saying the type of damage it is. I'm just, this is for the audience. I, I knew this. No, it's, that, this, this is, is for the audience. exactly what you should be doing, Kimmy. You should be asking. Okay. So, so I got a three. Do, one I do it again Where for the is she one? aiming? Twice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do oh, it twice. I got two threes. She's aiming straight for that eye. She hates mm. that eye. So for both eye, for the she's throwing both at the eye. All right, thunk, thunk. both of them just land square in this thing's eye. Hell yeah! And it unwraps its tentacles and waves them wildly in this frantic mess of trying to pull them out. But of course, it's having a hard time with that. Um, and as it reels back, you see this fear bulb come up from behind. And a swarm of what look like butterflies just cover this thing. And as they uh, tremble and vibrate really quickly, within seconds they separate and it's gone. Whatever. Wait, the, is wait, in the these beholder. Wait they, wait, they, wait, they all landed they on the. They surrounded the beholder. <laughs> all. And then when they disperse, it's like disappeared. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's legit. Nobody that suspects not. the butterflies. So <laughs> with that, you, you now see your friend, Charlie Bates, unconscious um, and heavily hurt laying on the floor. Penny runs over to him. Um, I have no, mm, I have no, something to heal. So, okay. So Penny um, turns around and wh- I can't whistle. So I'm not going to do whistles for Awen to grab his attention. And she's like, Tooth or Goodberry now. And then she runs over to Charlie and she gets to him. She makes sure she wants to get to him first. I know he's out of it. She still kind of grabs him by the collar and she's like, Listen, kid, stick with us. Follow my lead. Don't say anything dumb. We're going to get you out of here. And then hopefully by then, Awen has gotten to her. 
Yeah, I pull out of my... I, Eamon runs up, pulls, uh, reaches into one of his many pockets and uh, that seem to be empty, and out of it, he pulls five good berries and hands to you, and it's one health per berry. Great, like little, great. Little blueberries. Perfect. And then she just drops them in his mouth or hands them to him to eat. I'm going to drop oh, them Oh, he's unconscious, mouth. my dear. So yeah, oh, he's fully it. unconscious. Yeah. So she's threatening. She's threatening an unconscious person. She's so good. Um, <laughs> great. Okay, you do that. You pop him in. Um, I could even imagine you trying to help him like you're moving his jaw. Like, yeah. eat, damn you. She's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you do that. And you see the color kind of come back a little bit to his face. His, his breathing, which had been haggard, it evens out a bit. But he does not wake up. Um, and so it's obvious he's not going to walk for himself. Penny just look, turns around to Eowyn and goes, please, can you help me? <laughs> Who is this person? Some uh, random... Why are you picking up prisoners? He's not random. Oh, can we explain? The, the ceiling is falling. I will explain. Later. Please. Penny? Please the butterflies him. start to oh. hover over you. Please. Over me? Over both of you. Yes. Oh, I, I grab the body, throw it over my shoulder and go. We go. I know those butterflies are bad for sure. <laughs> okay. I, I think Bertram notices like slightly like that Penny was... It seemingly from a distance, like caressing this this boy. Or how old is how old? Oh my god! Yeah, I'm I setting up something. How old? How, how I said what I said. You were holding his head up and like moving his mouth and his lips and doing stuff. I'm from a. I'm. I said from a distance. I'm not right there. I'm seeing stuff. How old is Charlie? How old is Charlie? Always assume the word. Well, yeah, she's Char- Charlie's the same age as her, so he he's like a teenager. Like he's. Um, if, of age, if, though, if I'm 19, if about right, right, right. 19, yeah, when I when like I say boy, I mean like 17, 17 18. 18, not like an, a, an old man. Um, 18. I think I would just notice that. I think I would just notice that. Okay, 18. Sorry, 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 sorry. 18. He's definitely a minor. Uh, I'll say that. I would. Uh, well, how old is how old is Penny? 19. She's 19. She's not a minor. Oh. She's an she's an adult. <laughs> oh no no, Pe- Penny's not, uh, not a minor. I'm saying Charlie's a minor. Oh, yeah, okay. that's Charlie's like seventeen. Yeah, I'm already in prison though. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. Um, Bertram just sees this and he's just frustrated because he's seen Penny jump from like one guy to the next. He's like Penelope. We do not have time for your boy crushes. You know, we you need to set your sights a little bit higher than these three. But let's go. We don't have time for this. Penelope, okay, I want to say, I've been reading about Eleanor of Aquitaine a lot lately, and this is something she was famous for. Penelope throws him the most intense side-eye glare. (laughs) I wish I had magic, because I would imbue magic to this. The most intense side-eye glare, and says, you watch yourself. Oh, you know what? You know what? Roll intimidation for me. Hell yeah. Those butterflies are good. Oh, well, it didn't work because I got a five. <laughs> Aaron, those, those butterflies are still there. Awen <laughs> does not pick up what you are trying to lay down here. He's he's not you reading Penny? it. But uh, Bertram, you mean Bertram? You mean, right? Sorry, Bertram does not pick up what you're trying to lay down here. Uh, I would say he's he's definitely not intimidated. Uh, but that's all I'm going to say as your DM. You can fill in the gap, Adam, for how Bertram would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bertram Bertram's been talked to that way before. Uh, he knows that he he knows that he's put his foot in it. So. He'll shut up. <laughs> okay. So you guys are getting the hell out of there. You want you want to you don't want to play with these these butterflies. 
I'm good on the butterflies. Let's go. Penny take, looks I, back wishingly because Kimmy loves butterflies. And if butterflies could be a weapon, that's the weapon Kimmy wants to either die by or use. But oh my God. Uh, she doesn't linger because we don't have play time. With them. <laughs> Pip can play with them. But I'll put my little man on the back of one. Oh, no. It's going to disappear. <laughs> Please continue, Kate. No problem. So as you run down that hallway, you see utter chaos in the bellows. And, and I know earlier you guys were wanting to know if you could destroy this place. It seems like that's just being taken care of by these escaped prisoners. They have a special hatred for this room above all. And so you could see them just taking the bellows and the forges apart and really taking advantage of these weapons and armor pieces of armor that are available to them even undoing those that were under lock and key and so you just see a bunch of them gathering and that same little red-headed boy just painted all over standing on one of the tables and instructing them in what to do i ought to be chief because i'm chapter chorister and head boy i can sing in c sharp um and you're you get just this sense of foreboding like i don't want to be anywhere near this when they finally leave. And so continuing down the short hallway, you come to that guard room and it is set ablaze, completely blocked off. Penny goes, hell yeah, burn this place to the ground. Not thinking about that was their exit. But burn it after we leave. That's our one way through. Unless I I turn to Edmund and Valentine. Is is there another way? How do we get out of here? Valentine looks at all of you and then looking at the back of Edmund, who still has not faced any of you at this point, says, there is one more. Edmund, I'm, I'm sure you know that one. And he slowly turns back to you. There is one more way. I was hoping we would not have to go this way, but it looks like our time of... Ease, as much as this has been, is over. Follow me. Penny turns to Bertram and just mouths, Ease? This is not a walk in the park. Though there were butterflies. The question. That's true. I have a spell. How, long, how big is that room, the flame room? Mm. Like, how long is it? Probably, I, I think when I first uh, told you, it was like a 20 feet by 20 feet. Okay. Okay, never mind. Also, when we went through that room earlier, we did set it. Is this the same fire that we set ablaze from forever? Oh, I think I'm just putting that together. I thought it was uh, the card. You I forgot did this. That we, I you forgot did that this. we did that. We did that fire. That's right. <laughs> Edmund squares his shoulders and rolls them back. Kind of cracks one side. Stay close. Let's hope that we can still go unnoticed. Do not make sounds. Do not touch anything. And he looks at Crusoe. And hopefully we won't have to run into anyone that we don't want to. And he walks up to the stone wall. And you see him tap a few of the stones. And then fitting his hand into a a square-looking inner peg. Turns it three times and the wall starts to separate. And so you follow your original guide. He leads you through what turns into a carved hallway into a small holding room whose bare and reeking walls seemed as though impregnated with tears. A lamp placed on a stool illuminates the room faintly and shows you the features 
of Edmondantis, looking sullen and ill at ease, as if afraid to enter the next door. Looking at you one more time, coming over his shoulder. I will do my utmost to make sure that you get out of here alive and continue our mission. If I tell you to run, you run. And then going through the door, he pries it open. Awen puts up his hood and says, By the old gods and the new. And he lifts his hood and puts it over it, getting ready to go into the room. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I, I have nothing as cool to say as that, but I'll put my hood up as well. Because it sounds like we're about to team up and do some shit. Same. And entering in, you see an extremely large room. Seems that it's one that's used for stately affairs and even has a throne at one end. Now, it is mostly empty, bar some broken furniture, a large feasting table, and some curiosities and alcoves around the walls. Two pedestals flank this throne, one holding a globe of swirling smoke and the other with a smashed globe upon the floor. A pair of chained and locked double doors can be found directly opposite you on the eastern wall. All of you enter into the room and you make it, uh, you make it all the way across to the, the locked double doors. Um, but it's very clear that this is going to take a bit of work to get through. Um, and so immediately Edmunds begins to start picking the locks and you can see that it's a contraption, especially for, for you, Penny, you, you know, your way around these picking locks and you can see the intricacy of this system and that it has to be three different levels and each picked separately on its own. And so he gets through the first one and you can hear that familiar clicking and releasing of the first one. And as he begins the second one. You hear a voice behind you. My dear Edmund, how good of you to come visit. It's been too long, my love. And who have you brought for me? Turning behind you, you see this elegant figure in the middle of the stone floor. Her caramel skin almost seems to shine in the waning moonlight that pours in through the ceiling above. Her thick, dark hair is twisted into intricate braids that reach all the way down to the floor. Pearls dot the braids as they go, but you can see those same same gems are decorating her skin, all on her face, all along encrusted. And as she gestures with her left hand, you spy three red dots tattooed there. Immediately dropping his kit, Edmund spins around. And you, it is nice, I guess, to see you, Mercedes. Friends, half-orcs, countrymen, lend me your pointy ears! Hey guys, it's me, Kate, your master teacher, 
And I'm here around the halfway point to tell you first, thank you so much for listening. We're so excited you're here. Um, We are nearing the end of this adventure and we are so hoping that you are enjoying it and maybe see if you're catching on to some hints as to what is to come next. We also want to give a big thank you and shout out to Joe Cat, who was our special guest appearance today. You could hear his voice in the stylings of Jack from Lord of the Flies. Uh, but I also want to share a little bit about him with you. We first came across him with his YouTube channel where he created the Crap Guides to D&D, which are amazingly awesome and hilarious. And please go check those out yesterday. Um, but he also has recently started on his Twitch channel a live D&D adventure where he both animates and hosts a story called Necro Hunts. You can find that on Wednesdays. Session one just started on June 23rd, so you can easily catch up. And if you want to find him on Twitter, his handle is at JoeCat105. So thanks again to JoeCat for jumping onto our show and making it even more lively and interesting to listen to. Uh, But I'm also here to invite you to a few things. I'm here to invite you to reach out to us and you can... Uh, talk to us on Twitter. Our handle is at Show, or you can reach out to us through email. Our email address is omamamshow at gmail.com. And you can use that just to say, hey, give us some feedback for what you're thinking about the story so far, or even to give us suggestions, suggestions for future stories to use, suggestions for homebrew content that you would like to see us try out, or even suggestions for NPCs, races, um, or any other content that you would like to see included in our, in our own play so that we can try that out ourselves. And lastly, but most importantly, I'd like to invite you to leave us a rating and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, By doing so, you are helping us reach a wider audience and allow people to realize that we exist who have no other way of knowing that. But as a little bit of a tidbit for you, uh, we're planning on reading your reviews here at this midway point so that if you do leave us a review you might hear your very words here coming out of my mouth so i would give you credit there and we would use that as a way to give you a shout out as a show of our appreciation so leave us a rating and review we'll read it at the halfway point in upcoming episodes and you'll get a little shout out okay so that's enough of me let's get back to the show He looks this woman in the eye, says, How? Abifaria showed me that the Countess and Count, their true names, and the true name of the Countess was none other than the Mercedes that I was going to marry, the very Mercedes that I once loved. How have you not aged today? And how are you here? Rubbing her fingers together in a very delicate way. You see Mercedes level her stare just at Edmund. In the same way that you would imagine maybe a spider pinning its gaze 
on a fly caught in its web. It appeared, my love, that you and I were like two ships passing each other in the night. Days after it seems that you had fled this place, I myself had broken in to try and get you out. I came to find you, but you were gone. And they quickly found me, and I became a prisoner here. But there came my chance when the very person who was next to me in the cell gave me a chance to escape and join him as the new owners of this chateau. So he and I fashioned ourselves as the new count and countess. And in order to make that happen, I had to become like him. And as she smiles a rueful smile, I would like each of you to roll perception for me. I don't trust her. I trust her as far as I can throw her. Don't trust her. It's my That's womanly 14. intuition, you know? 14. 14? Okay. 13 for Bertram. 20. All three of you, you see as she smiles ruefully that the, the starlight and the moonlight glint down and a particular twinkling in her, her mouth highlights something there that's very unnatural and that is two elongated fangs. And you notice as you look closely that her skin is, yes, caramel and silky and yet almost devoid of true warmth, and very cold, for all that matter. And her eyes are, even though they are slitted, you can see that there's a dark shadow below them, and the actual irises are not brown, not green, not blue, but red. Aaron gets so pumped about those teeth. Oh, he's going to yank them out. (laughs) Yes. She's a Dracula. She's a Dracula. I think seeing this description that you've you've painted and just just looking at this, beholding this woman, I look to Edmund, very confused. So this this woman was your your bride to be. This woman. He looks back at you. This thing is not who my bride to be was. You have to see what I see right now. That is not really Mercedes. She gives you a dainty little, like, uh, little, little clap, little applause. Very nice, yes. You figured it out. You see my fangs in my eyes. And the fact that he says I have not aged. I am a vampire. That is how I was able to take over this place and begin to really put it to use. And then when the lady came and offered the courtship of the spotted hand. Well, I couldn't resist. It was more power. But ma- madam, excuse me, who was in that neighboring cell with you? Who you spoke of? Oh, he has gone by many names, many times over, but I think the name that he uses most, Draculia. 
I knew it. He's a Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Dracula. <laughs> it's tr- um, as soon as she says uh, Dracula, I hold up my new sword and I say, have a great summer. Um, and I look at the blade. And I'm waiting for it to flame up. If an inanimate object such as a blade could shake its head at you, it would. But no, nothing happens. I imagine all of us just looking at you as you say this, and you're just standing there like a statue, just waiting. Like, come on, man. Come on. Don't let me down, man. It's okay if Penny goes, it's okay, A, when it happens to most men. (laughs) Is that too much? I'm so sorry. No. 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 Oh. No. Oh, my God. It's so good. He's got the stage fright. He's got the stage fright. Can I start initiative? Can I attack? Or is hang I, on, have more hang on. This is where okay. I, okay. so this is okay. something that I'm going to be doing <laughs> on a regular basis now. And this is as your DM, before you are capable of getting into initiative or anything like that, I'm going to have you each roll history for me. And I'm going to see if your character somehow will know tidbits and details that will allow you to understand weaknesses for who you are up against. All right, I rolled a six. You rolled a six. So you definitely would recognize this as a vampire. And you've heard somewhere, yeah, one of their weaknesses, uh, if you take a stake to their heart, that'll, that'll definitely do some damage, right? You, if, you, if you take any, any piercing weapon it's made of wood and you drive it into their hearts um, while they're incapacitated, um, you paralyze them. You don't kill them, but you know that they're paralyzed. I rolled an 11. With an 11, Penny, you particularly remember that you know that they are hypersensitive to sunlight, right? So this could be um, sunlight. This can also be radiant damage. So like made sunlight, not just natural sunlight. Um, and so with that, you, you know that that particularly damages them and disadvantages them. Yeah, I got an eight. So not very with great. With an eight. You remember um, that they are harmed by running water. Okay. Didn't someone get a silver-tipped something at some point? Silver doesn't hurt uh, them. No. Uh, silver I have does a- damage, but the, yeah, uh, silver like doesn't particularly damage uh, them. Yeah. Werewolf. It's wood. God, Aaron, get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> get your mythical so, creature straight. <laughs> so know this. this. This is particular knowledge that your character knows that the others don't. Okay, gotcha. so this, even though I've like kind of said it for the hearing of all three of you, you would want to take advantage of this and you can communicate to each other on the battlefield. You can um, find other ways to do that. Um, but really, that's, that's your, your best bet there. And in front of you, you see really quick, uh, Edmund uses Thieves Cant with his hand, uh, Penny, and he is going to make the sign for... Uh, like basically scatter and flank. Got it. Okay. Then Penny sees that, nods really slightly. And then I'm assuming Penny is standing further back with Awen and Bertram, right? Mm-hmm. She um I guess I, you tell me, I want to wave to get their attention very, very subtly. Yeah, I would say as you're doing this, you have Edmonds continuing to Basically, he, he goes into a tirade of this, you know, you're not the person I love. Uh, Great. You know, so I, she's distracted. So as he starts that monologue, he is 
getting her distraction. And I'm going to roll performance for him to see how well he holds her attention. Right. Okay, so he rolled a 16 with performance, and that's high enough. Great. Then she, uh, she basically waves uh, very subtly to both Bertram and Eowyn and tries to get their attention um, and very just gently points um, at Bertram and points a little. Basically, he's able to tell them. Sorry, it's a podcast. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this without it just being the most boring. Um, grabs their attention and basically uses her fingers to point to where she wants them to be, which is basically saying scatter and flank. So she wants everyone just to basically space out in kind of a flanking stance, but where there's room for all of us. She motions at Crusoe too, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Valentine very quickly uh, takes the unconscious form of Charlie out of your arms, Eowyn. And she makes it clear, like she whispers... Don't, I'll, I'll take care of him. I'll, I'll keep him out of harm's way. I, you, I'll fight if I have to, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not that good. Well, so thanks. She, That's a load yeah, off. She grabs him I, really quick. I, I think to it kind of, I, I still want to ask more questions to this woman, but I see Penny trying to also kind of subtly direct us. So I think as I'm like moving into place, I want to, uh, I speak, Bertram speaks up again. Why did you do all this? Pa- you said power? You've done all of this because of power. I guess power is... It's too simple, isn't it? I think the best way I can put this is... I did it at first to... To survive. And then... The more I drank and the more I ate and the more I grew in power, I could not stop myself. And so the power itself it gives me is good, but my alliance with the spotted hand, with the lady, it it serves a purpose. Because if I could rewrite the story of how my kind are perceived. If I could forget I was ever anyone else but who you see today. Well, my dear, I would take it. Well, you are going to present an interesting snack. I don't know if blood runs through your veins, but I guess I'll find out. Wait, so you, you came here to save... You came here to save Edmund... And he was already gone, so you got butthurt, turned into a vampire. And now you're just hanging out? That seems so weird. Don't worry about such little things. You say it's weird, I say it is very convenient. I provide provisions. They give me more bodies that I will get to drink from and eat and grow in power and influence. I say that's a fair change you're talking about the count the count the count gives you more influence the count gives you bodies oh no no the count has his own affairs i run this place and he checks in every so often and whenever i need the original owner to make state appearances or to make sure that all of our checkups on the outside world seem just right, and she gestures towards the 
the globe on one end of the dais of the throne. Then I bring him out to play. And if he's a good little boy, he goes back. If not, I get a snack. All right. Well, while you guys have been keeping you distracted, I've been backing up. I'm near Eowyn. And am I able to kind of whisper to him like sunlight? I'm trying to like communicate what I know. Yeah, so if you want to, because since Awen has interacted with her, she's, you know, she's partially aware of, of him. And so that corner of the, uh, the quarter of the room. Um, and so you're going to have to roll. Hmm, what do you think you need to roll for this? I'll let you choose. Um, either deception or performance. Or stealth. Probably, dis- Probably stealth, right? Stealth I would go with. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you right, roll stealth for this? And we'll go against her, her passive wisdom. Mm. Ten. Okay. So you can do that, and it's, it's a 50-50 chance. So are you whispering that, or how are you going to say that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This game's only fun if you go for things. I, whisp- I, I whisper to Awen, I'm like, sunlight. I whisper, sunlight. We need sunlight. And looking up, you do see that the ceiling is made of glass. What do we see above us, then, through the glass? Oh, the moon. Uh, you see moon and stars. I and, knew we were underwater, but this is, it's like an this island. Is, this so is, this is, okay. yeah, they are above ground. Right. Um, so you can see that. Um, yeah, it's judging not, it's by the, okay. it is, it is late, late. Like, we are, Three, yeah, four, we're, five. we're. <laughs> 3 a.m.? No, I would say we're closer to like 3.30 a.m. Yeah. Right. Okay. As she says that, I just say, wooden stakes. <laughs> she like turns over. She's like, I can hear what you are saying. Yes, sunlight. Yes, wooden stakes. Good luck, my darlings. And with that, all of a sudden, she disappears in a mist. Damn it. Oh, shoot. And she reappears behind you, Awen. She missed two steps. No! And she's going to bite. Roll for initiative. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sine. That's a geometric waveform or arc that rises and falls. And a new Canadian TTRPG and podcast inspired by that almost soothing mathematical motion. Let me show you. The action begins to rise as powerful strangers in a ruined yet vibrant world band together. If you run north, they will chase you. I suggest you stand behind me. Partner, I'd rather stand beside you if you're willing to help. Tension continues to mount higher as our characters must push themselves beyond their usual limits. As I'm climbing into the into the driver's seat, I'm going to say to Sarah, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. I'm driving now. And it peaks as a danger and excitement hits its zenith 
leading to great failure or success. Fenrir would be just fire at this point. She straight up might die. Like, this encounter might murder you. You know what? You lit me on fire. We're going to be on fire, baby. And this tension relaxes. The tragedy, but more often humor, that comes with great pals being around a virtual table playing a game. Discover Sign on your favorite podcast player. S-I-N-E. Choices of the characters are theirs to make, but the fate of the world is up to the dice.